Hi, my name is Donna Brendel, and I'm the host of I Should Say That Out Loud. This week, I'm going to answer a question a friend sent me in a message. And he asked me, how does autism manifest in my daily life? When he asked me that question, I thought of a phrase of speech that people use all the time. And that is, can you unpack that thought or unpack that idea? So when he asked me that question, I thought, hmm, I think he's asking me to unpack that idea. (laughs) And when people use that phrase, that makes me think literally about unpacking something. That's one of the things that autism causes me to do is think about things very literally. So guess what? I am going to unpack that thought out of this little trunk here. I've written down lots of ways that autism manifests in my life on a daily basis. And I'm going to pull them out of this trunk and unpack them and talk to you about them one by one. So here we go. Don't know if you can see this or if you need to see this or if I'm going to show you every card, but these are little cards I have in my trunk. And this one says literal thinking, like I just said already. I think about phrases of speech in a very literal way. For instance, can you unpack that thought? I think about um, like a comedian who has a, a bag or a clown who has a bag and they're pulling out all these big things that wouldn't normally fit in a bag like that. Or Mary Poppins did that in the movie Mary Poppins. <laughs> That's kind of like unpacking autism. There's a lot in this trunk to cover that if I didn't have these little cards to write on, it would not fit in this little trunk. <laughs> I'm a visual thinker. I think of things, again, phrases of speech that people say I will visualize even if it doesn't make sense. So certain things are nice to visualize, like sunsets. Like I saw, you know, if I hear someone say I saw a gorgeous sunset the other day, I'll picture the last sunset I saw or a memorable sunset that I saw. Um, But sometimes it's not such a pleasurable visual in my head, like when somebody calls somebody else a butthead. Think about that. I visualize. Yeah, you guessed it. Moving on. (laughs) It's hard for me, putting those two things together, it's hard for me to understand or visualize certain phrases of speech. For instance, when people use the phrase in the long run. So that would be better for you to do or to choose in the long run. And I used to hear that a lot more when I was younger. And I would think, well, what is a long run? Is somebody running? Is it a long pier? Is it a long road? Is it a long sidewalk? Why is it better in the long run? What about now? Like I can't, I couldn't even, I couldn't visualize the thought. I couldn't comprehend the thought. So I couldn't take someone's advice that a certain choice would be better for me in the future when they were talking about a long run that I couldn't understand or visualize. So to me, I would wonder, well, why why not just say that's better for you in the future? Because you're talking about the future. That's what the long run means. And I couldn't get to that when I was younger on my own. And, I, and, and the people 
the adults that would use that phrase of speech couldn't comprehend that I couldn't comprehend it. And they just kept repeating it over and over again instead of trying to use different words. So if you're communicating with someone who has autism and communication is kind of not happening, it might help to try to use different words or different phrases of speech and, and see if that improves things. Next is special interests. People with autism have very um, sometimes unique, sometimes just um, hyper-focused interests. So my special interests over the years have been playing the trombone. I spent a lot of years all through grade school and high school and a little bit in college and then after school in my church ska band and now I'm also learning to play the drums and I hope to be able to perform them someday. Who knows, it might just be something that's soothing and, and comfortable on my brain, but I'm going to keep at it. <laughs> um, and it's, and it's not just that we have the special interests, it's that we can spend a lot of time research, researching the special interest, practicing the special interest, talking to other people about the special interest, and just putting a lot of our efforts and energies into that special interest. Another special interest of mine was water skiing, and still is water skiing. I love that sport. It's been... Um, very important to me in my childhood and also in my adulthood and has has given me a lot of special memories and abilities and love of fitness and being outdoors and interacting with other water skiers. Another special interest of mine is reading and collecting books because once I read it, I mark it up and I put all my notes in it and I I wanted I want to be able to go back to it and refer to it and find what I read in it that was so interesting. So I get a, I grow attached to my books. I'm very interested in my books and the, and the ideas in them and that I have a wide I have a wide library of books a lot of different topics and I love making connections between the topics and I'm really tired. This is hard when you're tired. My faith is another special interest because I love to read the Bible and I love to study the Bible and the Greek and Hebrew ancient words and definitions that are in the Bible. And I love to make connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament and making connections between the physical and the spiritual realms and making connections between things that are happening in our world, in our culture and about what the Bible has said about those things and how we can relate to that now in these things that we are experiencing. My newest special interest is paddleboarding, stand-up paddleboarding. Uh, I try to get out on my board every day of the summer if it's not raining and I have 20 minutes, I will be on the lake with my paddleboard. I love it. Here's a big word that I learned recently that I totally relate to. It is interoception. And it means that our 
bodies are unable to recognize clues and cues that most people or people with a neurotypical brain would recognize, like our body's signal that tells us we're hungry or thirsty or we need to go to the bathroom or that we're tired and need to go to sleep. These are so subtle to us that we, under normal circumstances, maybe we'll recognize them, but when we're involved in our special interest and hyper-focused on the thing that interests us, then we especially will be less likely to notice them. I know I can work on podcasting for hours and hours and hours and record many episodes in a day and skip eating and skip going to the bathroom. And I set myself up with a glass of water and a tea before each episode that I record because I know I'll, I could keep going without, without stopping to take a break to do that for myself. So I've kind of trained myself to take care, to take better care of myself, knowing that I miss these cues oftentimes. And I force myself to stand up and stretch and move around, go to the bathroom, things like that, because I know I just don't do that stuff enough for myself. I like eating the same foods pretty much every day, especially when I'm at work and I pack my lunch. I pack the exact same foods every day and I eat them at the same times every day. And I I do the same thing when I'm home, but a little less regimen. A little less regimented <laughs> but especially if I'm at work and I'm doing the exact same tasks every day I'll eat the same foods at the same times because that clock that timeline just falls into place and the repetition and the routine of it feels very comfortable and calming and soothing in the midst of a work day and I like that I don't have to think about what I'm gonna eat or when just that the routine kicks in and I'm on overdrive and I can work through my tasks of the day without having to think about food. I like eating the same food every day also because I don't have to think as much when I'm shopping, which is a struggle for me. It's hard for me to come up with creative ideas because food is not my special interest. It's just something that I have to do every day to survive. <laughs> but I could, I could, do that easily with the same things every day without having to, to change it and make it more and bring variety in. That, that gets pretty boring for some of my family members who don't like to eat the same things every day. I like to fix my hair the same way. Um, whether it's straight or curled, that's one thing that I that I do change is whether it's straight or curled, but it, I part it on the same side in the same general area <laughs> and I've had it longer or shorter with this kind of style but it's still the same style whether it's a little longer or a little shorter and I can cur blow dry it and curl it the same way and I I stress out if my hair has if I have to put my hair into a different style that's why I I don't even bother changing it when I get it cut or styled and my hairstylist knows this and never complains that I do the same thing all the time. And she is really good at helping like subtly change it to keep me up to date with the style. She, she has a good talent for that. 
I also don't like to put my hair up in ponytails. Um, I don't like my hair pulled back. I don't like the feeling of it. I don't like the feeling of it in braids, and I really don't like the feeling of headbands. Um, I do like to have it pulled back behind my ears. When I'm not podcasting, this is kind of uncomfortable, but I like the look of it. <laughs> but if if I were to go about my day with the, my hair curled like this, this would go behind my ear really, really quickly. I cannot wear dangly earrings. I can only wear a stud or something that doesn't dangle off my ear. Um, I have two ear piercings. This second one's kind of hidden, but I was six years old when I had this first outside hole pierced into my ear, and I have very small earlobes, if you can see and tell that. So there wasn't much room when I was six years old to have the piercing done in the right location, and they got it kind of low. And my earrings, when I wore dangling ones, they kind of stretched the hole and it moved it to like the very edge of my earlobe. And it just freaked me out and made me nervous that if my hair caught on my earring or especially when I had kids and they were babies, if they yanked on my earrings, they would rip through that earlobe. And I did not want that to happen. I, that just... I can't even think about that happening. It really bothers me. So I just don't wear dangly earrings. And it's much more comfortable for me to not be able to feel what's in my ear. <laughs> I, don't, I used to buy them and try to wear them on special occasions, but I just can't even do that anymore. Not even for like an hour. I can't break rules. I mean, I can, but it causes me a lot of stress. So for example, when my ears were pierced when I was six years old, I remember distinctly the woman at the at the store who pierced them after that it was all done. The earrings were in my ears, and she cleaned them off and sent me off on my way with my mom and my sister, who also got her ears pierced that day. She sent us off with a cleaning kit to clean our earrings with them in still, and she um, and she told us. Don't take your earrings out even to clean them for six weeks. Just clean them with the Q-tip around the earring until you get to six weeks. Then you can take the earrings out and clean your ears really well. So two weeks went by and my ears were getting infected because I wasn't cleaning them well enough with the Q-tip. And my mom noticed that they were infected and she told me she was going to take my earrings out and clean them really well. And I freaked out and I said, no, you can't do that. The woman at the store said, you can't do that for six weeks. I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but I just couldn't <laughs> handle the idea of my mom breaking that rule that was clearly set. By the woman in the store, the expert who pierced my ears. So my mom took my earrings out. Somehow she convinced me just to let her do it. She took the earrings out, cleaned the earrings, cleaned my ears, and as she was putting them back in my ear, the first one anyway, I, I must have been holding my breath or clenching 
really hard. I don't know what I was doing, but I fainted. <laughs> I was so freaked out that something tragic and awful was going to happen because she broke that rule that I couldn't, I just lost control of my body or something. I don't know what happened, but I fainted. And my twin sister, who was also six years old, didn't know what fainting was, and she thought I just died on the spot. Thankfully, my earrings got put back in my ears, and I was fine, and I was not dead, obviously. It was just me freaking out over somebody breaking a rule. A simple little rule. <laughs> I have this thing that I do called, I just call it color naming. I don't know if there's another word for it. But I like to name off the colors that I see in front of me as I'm driving down the road or as I'm sitting in a class listening to the teacher lecture or at work listening to a coworker talk or um, sitting in my living room watching TV. I will see and notice the colors of things and then name them. And so here's for an example. If somebody's wearing a plaid shirt, has many colors, I'll say the colors. And there could be many colors involved, like red, white, and black, for instance. But it, I also will reorder the names of the colors, depending on if there's more black, that should go first. If there's more white, that should go first. And so I'll say red, white, black, black, white, red white, red, black. You know what I'm saying? I just reorder it in my brain as I'm looking at it and organizing the colors and how much of each color there is and which one should go first. It's just a silly, ridiculous little game that I my brain does and that I don't always do it, but if I'm bored, if I'm stressed, if I'm distracted and I'm trying to stay focused and trying not to fall asleep or get sleepy because of the conversation. It's something I'll do to keep my brain engaged and keep me focused on at least looking at the people and pretending like I'm paying attention, but really I'm just naming off the colors that you're wearing. <laughs> and it helps me when I'm driving a long distance too. So I'll name the colors in street signs and the colors and the textures of the post that the signs are on. So like the black and yellow signs might be on a wood post or a metal post and the post might be rusty. So I'll say black, yellow, metal, rust or black, yellow, wood or black, yellow, brown because the wood is brown. <laughs> so I kind of play with all those combinations in a really weird way. And sometimes it gets annoying, like, okay, Donna, like just stop naming these colors and textures. It's just getting annoying, but then I just can't stop. And sometimes like the trees and the sky and the grass, do I say it's green and brown and blue and white? Or do I say it's leafy green and bark colored and gravel colored and asphalt? Or is it gray? <laughs> or is it sky blue or is it light blue? Silly things that I do with my brain. The next one I have here is knuckle spotting. 
that's my own phrase that I came up with it because that's what I do and I don't know how else to describe it. I do this especially when I'm washing dishes or when I'm using the mouse on my computer when I can see my hand and my knuckles. Um, so it's really especially when I'm washing dishes because I'll hold the dish with my left hand and then I'll wash it with my right hand with either the scrubby thing or a washcloth and I can see my knuckles, especially this first knuckle and my thumb knuckle. And as I'm washing the dish, sometimes instead of, well oftentimes instead of looking at the dish and what's dirty inside of it and making sure I'm getting all the spots, I, I have to look at, physically look at my knuckle. And then I'll go back to looking at the dirt and then I look at my knuckle and then the dirt and then knuckle and dirt and <laughs> it really is a re really weird thing. And sometimes my eyes will go back and forth between the dirty dish and my knuckle so many times that it starts to give me a headache and it gets really annoying, but sometimes I can't stop it. And I don't know why I do this and why I can't not do this sometimes. And sometimes I just have to let myself do it. And then when I'm less stressed about it, then I can stop doing it. So weird. I know. <laughs> okay. Here's a couple more weird things. So little like webby space between your thumb and your forefinger for me anyway, is really sensitive. And if somebody is, holding my hand like my kids and if somehow that skin gets pinched <laughs> accidentally or on purpose it drives me crazy and I have to like push it back in and make it feel better <laughs> and and usually if it happens to one hand I have to do it to the other hand even if nobody even touched the other hand so evening things out is another there's another card in here that I didn't even write, but I'm thinking of it now. Um, symmetry is really important to me. And so if something happens to one side of my body, it has to happen to the other side. And I like seeing things visually that are symmetrical. Um, I was at a wedding recently and they had a, a tall Christmas tree at the altar with two shorter Christmas trees on either side. And that's very symmetrical and very pleasing to the eye. And I liked that a lot. Um, wearing turtlenecks or necklaces that squeeze on my neck or a scarf that is kind of snug on my neck. This one is not bothering me because it's not like all the way up here like that. Uh, <coughs> I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> um, even a, just a, a necklace that's not super tight on me, but I, it's just like sometimes the necklace shifts and it gets pulled back and I have to pull it back down again. So it's not so tight on my neck. Just anything tight around my neck really, really bothers me. <laughs> Turtlenecks. I'll have to like yank on the turtleneck and stretch it, <laughs> make it looser. The, you know, it's, it's the worst the first thing in the morning when I put it on and it's better later in the day and Really, I rarely ever wear those things just because they're so annoying. But sometimes I just have to because it's really cold or for whatever reason it matches what, I'm, what else I'm wearing. I don't know. But I don't own many turtlenecks. Anyway, I'm sure that's not even an exhaustive list. And there's more things that I've missed. And maybe I'll do another episode where I think of more of those things and add to my trunk. But in the meantime, 
Please let me know if you have any questions or thoughts about these things, if you relate to any of these things that I shared. If you'd like to know more about any of these specific areas that I experience, and if I can explain them a little bit better so you can understand how it manifests in your life or in the life of somebody you love, maybe a child, maybe a student that you teach, and together we can grow awareness of autism and undo the myths around it and grow the acceptance of autism and the support of people with autism and improve our relationships with each other. So thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to my channel and like this episode and share it with a friend. And until next time, bye-bye.